It was a good week of Thanksgiving for us. We were blessed. This is the first time in a few years that Penny actually got the Friday uh, off of work, the day after Thanksgiving. And so instead of a hurry trip up to see as much family as we could, we took off on Wednesday, and we had all, uh, most of the day on Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday, and a really good part of Saturday up with her family and a little bit of my family too. And we just rejoiced. We relaxed. We did a, a bunch of nothing. We ate way too much food. It was awesome. We really enjoyed the time together as a family. Um, had some special times. I took Peyton hunting. I am not a hunter, friends. I mean, I tell you, we just, he wanted to go hunting, so we went hunting. We did more laughing and scaring the deer away than we did any shooting, I promise you that. Parker got jealous, so I had to take him squirrel hunting, which lasted about five minutes, you know. And that's okay. We had a good time. We went and uh, had a metal detector out on the land, and Penny's family's out on the farmland. There's some old stuff. They were finding pieces of desk from a school in the 1800s out there in the ground, having fun with that. They built a, a fort. It was just an awesome time of relaxation and being with family. But I tell you, for me, the highlight of this past few days of Thanksgiving was on Friday evening, we had driven up to Wichita Falls, which is about 30 minutes away from her parents' lift, and we had seen some friends for dinner. We went and took the boys to where Penny and I went to college, where that great love story began, dear, and uh, showed them that and had a fun time. As we were driving home, we're back to her parents' house and just enjoying talking about all the things God has done. And we pulled off the highway. And you have to understand, again, Penny's family, they live in the country. Now, I'm not just kind of out in the They live in the country. They're out there, friends. I grew up in, in the middle of Fort Worth, 2,000 people in my high school. She graduated with eight people in her graduating class. I mean, Little bitty out in the middle of nowhere, and you turn off the highway, and you're 10 more minutes on gravel road before you ever get to their house. And so we're out on these gravel roads, and as we're driving along, it was probably 9.30, it was already dark, and I kind of look up and realize it was the most beautiful evening. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, the temperature was great, and so I slowed the car to a stop, turned off the headlights and turned off the interior lights and I rolled down the windows and I, and I said to the, the rest of the family, I said, stick your head out the window and look up. And so all of us there, I heard the boys in the back, they, they got there and they kind of went like, you know. And at the same time, I heard this, wow. You know, amazing. I mean, you could see the Milky Way. I forget, you know, here in the how much city lights affect what you can see up in the sky. And we're out, I mean, there's not a light around, and how many stars you can see. And we're, just, we're sitting there for like 10 minutes just doing this. I know some farmer's going to drive by and look at us, city slickers in our SUV going, those morons, what are they doing out here, you know? They get to see it all the time, but we're just going, isn't God good? I mean, isn't it amazing? And we're looking up at those stars and those things, and I'm sitting there going, I can't explain that, but I know God's behind it. You know, all that, the majesty up in the sky and just the, the distances you're seeing from those stars is just mind-boggling. And I don't care what science you try to give me behind it, you just know that God is in it. And in that moment, our family got to have those few minutes, quiet encounter with God and just have that moment where we just were just standing in awe of God. And that was my favorite moment. And, you know, I realized when we have those, those moments in our day and our week, 
those, those pivotal times in our lives where we just encounter God, the nature of God, His characteristics, His manner. When we encounter God, it leaves its mark on our lives. It did that evening. We went home, just kind of all of us, just thinking about how cool is God and His creation. When we encounter God, amazing things happen. With that in mind, I was kind of thinking about some things I want to share with you this morning. In fact, this morning is going to lead us into some things in the week ahead. It's going to take us all the way through Christmas this year. We're going to call this Encounters with Grace. I want to explain to you why we're going to call this. And this is something that's so awesome. Now, I want to get you familiar with the Bible passage this morning. It's going to be something that I want to keep on your mind over the next few weeks because it reminds us what happens when we encounter the grace of God. Now, we're going to look at a verse, and I don't want to scare you because this verse is in 1 Corinthians. And you're like, Greg, we spent like nine months of our year in 1 Corinthians. Some of you are like, it's okay if you don't preach out of that again for a while. I promise I'm not getting back into 1 Corinthians. I just need you to see two verses that... In all the months we spent in 1 Corinthians this year, we talked about it, but we didn't really get a look at it. These are some of the most awesome Bible verses there are. This is going to set us up, okay? This is going, you're going to understand how important encountering God's grace really is. Let's put up this first section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all the things that God has done in his life. And he says in these verses, you really understand this. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now look at verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect no i worked harder than all of them yet not i but the grace of god that was with me now i'm going to guess some of you guys don't know how cool these verses are just leave verse 10 up for us for just a few minutes here's what paul is saying he said there was a time in my life that i thought i had it going on he was you know the pharisee he was respected he had a great living he Came probably from a good family. He was up there in stature. He had a maid in the shade with a bunch of lemonade. You know what I'm saying? He had it going on in his life until Jesus came and messed that all up. He was the persecutor because in that day, nobody liked those people who said, I follow Jesus. Remember in that day, they were all Jewish. That even really spread out to the, to the Gentile world. All these Jewish people who were saying, the Savior has come, and this is salvation, not just following the law. And it messed a lot of people up. And Paul was chief among them of persecuting those Christ followers. They weren't even called Christians yet. I mean, Paul was top among the list of, I'm going to go beat up those Christians, I'm going to throw them in jail, I'm going to kill them. He had, that was the easy life in that day, because the Christ followers were not the popular group, the religious Jewish establishment was the popular group, and he had it made. He said, I worked harder than everybody. I, it was all good. But then, by the grace of God, God's grace 
God holding me. We're going to see what that is in just a few minutes. We're going to go over and look at it. It says, then I encountered Christ. And it's not that, that when I encountered the Savior, that he gave me everything I deserved for persecuting the church and defiling his name. He turned me into an apostle. He turned me into one of his disciples. He saved me and he forgave me the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And these next words are some of my favorite in all of Scripture. And his grace to me, go back for us. And his grace to me was not without effect. He says, when I encountered the grace of God, I couldn't be the same. I couldn't just stay in my old life. I couldn't operate the same way. It changed me. It had a huge mark on my life. It's like those moments when you encounter God and his nature and who he is. You cannot be the same. His grace to me was not without effect. In a moment, we're going to see how it has that effect in Paul's life. This guy who was the persecutor. The guy who, you know, didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Do you see how it had its effect on his life? But we've got to ask a question first. This is highly important. Let's go and put that next screen up for us this morning. Help us with, help me with this. What is God's grace? Now, if I ask you that question this morning, some of you might think it's silly that I ask it because you've heard the term grace plenty of times. You probably, so I know what grace means, but stop and think about it for a moment. Grace is a simple word, but the more you spend time trying to understand it, the more you realize what a deep concept God's grace really is. I did something, this this is fun, fun for me, it probably wouldn't be fun for you, but I went to my Bible software program this week. I have, as a pastor, I have this thing on my computer, it's worth probably a few thousand dollars it's got probably 50,000 different books and translations and all this kind of stuff. And it's what I turn to if I need to look up a word or get a, you know, hear comments, read a commentary about a passage and see the relations in Scripture. And I went in and it's got this thing called a word study, and I just put in grace. I want to see what popped up. And I went to all the Bible dictionaries about what the word grace meant. And I clicked on the first one, boom, grace. And I started reading, and I started scrolling down the page, and I kept reading, and I kept, and like, this thing never ended. Like, I'm, I'm falling asleep after just three paragraphs. The longest, most complicated explanation of grace I've ever seen in my whole life. And it's, I understand that because when you really get into the topic of what is God's grace, it overwhelms you. It is an awesome and huge and mighty thing. So grace is not just something simple. However, I, I tell you all that to say, I'm going to try to simplify it for you this morning. Because maybe you've heard the term grace, and maybe it's one of those words you just hang on to, but you really haven't thought about what God's grace really is and why it should matter for your life. So I'm going to admit that what I'm going to give you right now is the extremely simplified. No way is this near deep enough but it's a start. Right? I'm going to give you two definitions. One is this. God's grace is when God blesses you with what is undeserved and unearned. Now think about this one for just a moment. When God blesses you with what is undeserved and unearned. 
That's the first part of understanding what grace is. God looks at our life and the ugliness and the mess and all the things and still says, here you go. And still says, I love you. And he still says, I'm willing to forgive. It's what we did not deserve, what we have not earned. Think about what Paul said. He said, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, for I've persecuted the church. He says, if God treated me by what I have done, by what I've earned in this life, there's no way I'd be called an apostle of Jesus Christ today. God's grace hits you in that moment of, you have not earned this, you don't deserve it, but God loves you so much anyway. He takes your mess and just looks at you and with eyes of love. It's kind of like this. The, this past weekend we had, you know, I don't know how many meals we had. I have so much turkey in my body right now, it's not even funny. And one of the meals with family, you know, there's kids running everywhere. And one of the little kids, I don't know, like, you know, of the second cousin twice removed or something, I don't know which kid it was, but it was one of these little precious little three-year-old boys. And he's walking in the living room and he's got a dessert in his hands, this little chocolate chip cake or something. And he's just a cute little boy. And I look over, and his name is Gabe. And I said, Gabe? And I try to reach for him. I said, is that mine? And he looks at me and says, yes, but this one has snot in it, you know. <laughs> and, and, of course, all the other people in the room go, oh, how cute am I? That's not cute. That boy just offered me a piece of snot cake. You know, what are you doing? You little snot, what do you think? You know, it's kind of like that. It's just like this. There's this ugly little thing, but it's so cute, you know. And it's kind of like, I'm looking at, that's what we do to God. Like, here is my life, and it is a mess. It is ugly. It is gross. It is, here's all the junk we have done. You know, like you're handing it to God. Like he would want it. And God says, I'll take it. I love you. I still love you. No matter all that stuff. You don't deserve this love. You haven't earned it, but that's my grace. That's my grace meeting you when even though nobody else wants this. That's, what the, that's the difference between Christianity and every other thing that claims the religion in this world, that claims a, a pathway to God. Every other thing is work your way, earn your way, deserve your way into this place called heaven. And God says you'll never get there. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. I know you can't. And my love, my grace met you in that place that's god's grace when god blesses you with what is undeserved and unearned or i like this another way another kind of maybe uh definition here put up my second one for us i think like god's love in action we know god is love i mean he's just god is the embodiment of perfect love but when god's love is in action that's grace when God's love actually encounters my life and the mess I've made of it, that's God's grace. When he gives me what is undeserved, what is unearned, that is God's grace. And the more we come to terms and understanding of what God's grace is, the more we're overwhelmed by it and the more effect it has in our life. Now, I don't usually do this, but I want us, we're going to turn to another scripture this morning. Here's why. I told you, Paul gave us those verses uh, in 1 Corinthians. It says, you know, by God's grace, I am what I am, and 
that grace was not without effect. Now, you may have heard this before, you may have seen this passage, but I want you to see in Scripture. I'm going to read for you, and I'm going to go kind of quick. I'm just going to kind of race through this morning, but I want you to see in Acts chapter 9, we hear of how it had its effect. I want you to see how it happened in Paul's life, and I'm going to tell you in weeks to come, we're going to look at how God's grace encountered other lives we see in Scripture and how it had its effect. We're going to look at Abraham and how God's grace had an effect in his life. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth, and we're going to look at others. Of when they encountered God's grace, what was undeserved and unearned, how it affected their life. Look at this with me. Again, over in the book of Acts, in chapter 9. I'm going to just read it for you. I'll be on the screen, but let me read. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Don't forget, Saul, Paul here is Saul, before his name changed. We're talking about Paul. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners uh, to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now to verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road as you are coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eye, and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Come more verses. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? 
Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Friends, that is the picture of God's grace having an effect on somebody's life. I mean, here's Saul, who was, you know, Paul, who was then Saul, walking along, had it all figured out, all was going good, and then boom, Jesus comes, and is, I mean, unbelievable. He blinds him. And you got to be thinking, as you're, if you're Paul right there, and you encountered this guy, Jesus, he's saying, this supernatural encounter, and you have been cursing the name of Jesus. And you have been persecuting everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. In your mind, don't you think you're about to be struck down? The lightning bolt is coming down from heaven. You're going to get what's coming your way. But in that moment, he said, go, go to the city. There's somebody there. I handled all this. And Ananias comes and places the hands and he prays and the sight is restored. And there's Paul, not getting what he deserved or what he had earned. Instead, he encountered not only God's forgiveness for all that he had done, not only could God look at all these things that Paul had done against the name of Jesus Christ and forgive them, but he said, I'm going to use you to do some of the most miraculous, awesome things ever known. That's God's grace. There's no way Paul earned that. He didn't deserve it. That was God's love in action in Paul's life. I want you to notice this. There was that verse that that Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, I'm going to show Paul, Saul, I'm going to show him what things he must suffer for my name. Now, if you read that, you're going, see, there it is. God's choosing Paul. He's going to put him through a bunch of hard things because really he had been a bad guy. He's going to use him, but he's going to make him suffer along the way. That's not what he's doing. He didn't say that, but like, we're going to yeah, kind of balance the scales of justice here. He says, I'm going to use this guy to go preach the gospel, not only to the Gentiles, but to kings and even to the Jews in Israel. I'm going to have him do this, and yes, he's going to suffer for my name. I'm going to let him know how difficult this road is going to be. But, but Paul, understanding this, when he encounters the truth of this, he says, yep, sign me up. I'm on board. It's going to cost him his livelihood. It's going to cost him his dignity. It's going to cost him his friends, probably his family. It's going to cost him his life to follow the name of Jesus. And Paul, being so encountering with God's grace, he says, Yep, sign me up. I'm on this program. Because you can't, get, you can't encounter the goodness, the love, the awesomeness of God, His grace, His love in action, and not be deeply affected by it. And that's what Paul was. He signed on for this preaching duty like nobody had ever experienced before. And all the trials that went with it. But he was happy to do it because he had been saved because he had been shown grace. So when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And God's grace was not without effect. That's what he's talking about. He's saying it had such an effect on my life that even though I knew that all these things were going to happen, I'm going to do it. I'm excited to do it. That's what happens when you encounter God's grace. God's 
grace should not be without effect in your life. That's what we're going to see not only this morning, but weeks to come. How when God encountered his people with grace, how it just changed their hearts, their lives, their attitudes. But you may be this morning going, well, I'm waiting for God to do that for me. If he wants to do that, he can strike me down on the road and blind me and give me his message and calling and then do all these things. And if he gives me grace like he gave Paul, then I'll do the same thing as Paul. But I'm still waiting here. Do you know you encounter God's grace every single day? Every single day you're encountering, you're interacting with, you're receiving the blessing of God's grace. Just think about it for a moment. Has God treated you as you deserve in this life? We know the answer to that question. There's no way that if you got what was all truly coming to you for how you've done things, your life would not be the same. I mean, he offered you forgiveness and salvation, and you know those dark and ugly and terrible things that is in your heart and in your past and what a part of your actions, and still God said, I love you, I will forgive you. Now, I get it when there, there are those times, those big moments where just God surprises you with his grace. Just something comes and it hits you, you never saw it coming. It just, you get run over by a Mack truck of grace, and it's awesome. And those are great days, and we live, I mean, those are wonderful times when we just experience God's grace in a new way. And it just takes us deeper with God. But if we wait just for those big, pivotal moments in our life, we're going to lose a lot of passion. Instead, we need to be as Paul, not just one time encountering the grace of God, but that grace of God kept having an effect in his life day after day after day because I believe that he woke up and going, I'm breathing today again because of God. I can go preach today because of what God has done for me. I have my salvation, not because I earned it or deserved it, but because of the grace of God, and that's going to affect how I live today. And that should affect you as well. You can get up and say, I'm awake today by the grace of God. I'm forgiven today, not because I tried for enough years to get that forgiveness, but because God loved me despite of all that stuff. And it should have an effect on your life. See, all these things we're called to do as Christians, you know, to follow God, to follow the way. You realize that we do all of those. Those all come out of not trying to follow the set of rules and regulations, but because a heart is so motivated by the grace that we've been shown. I don't want you to come to God's word and sit down every day and say, all right, I got to do my Bible study again today. God, you watching me? I'm doing it. There's my chapter for the day. I can, you think that's God, what God is wanting from you? God, by his grace, put his word for you together to know him better. If that doesn't get you excited about coming to the Word, I don't know what will. I don't want you getting down on your knees the end of the day and saying, all right, God, I better say my prayers. I don't want you walking into church and saying, God better be marking down my attendance for the day. 
No, those things that we're called to do come out of the, the effect that grace has on you and me. One of the biggest things I talk about is, you know, forgiveness in the Lord. The Bible says the world will know you by how you love one another. That's huge. He says the world ain't going to know that you're a Christian by that you put church on your sign or you carry around your Bible. The world will know you by how you love one another. And then sometimes you say, well, how am I supposed to love that person? I was not pointing to anybody in particular right then, okay? How am I supposed to love that person? Because... And God looks at you and says, did I forgive you? Did you deserve it? Did you earn it? And you go, nope. That was grace. And God's grace to me should not be without effect. And then I say, I'm going to treat that person like God has shown me. I'm going to have God's grace on me as I go and offer that forgiveness and go restore and go work and go serve. and go God's grace. Encountering God's grace is not some simple thing. It's not some small thing. It's you can't be the same after having come face to face with it. And you don't have to wait for that big special day. It's there every day. If you would just look for it. If you would acknowledge it. Just acknowledge, God, this I have this day because your grace. And then be affected by it. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Be affected by God's grace in your life. God, you have shown me this grace, so what does this mean for me? And then there'll be those, there will be those days that God just overwhelms you with his grace. The thing you never saw coming, there's no way you've earned it, but it's just there. It's God's blessing. It's His grace. And you can't be the same after that. I want you, in these days, this week, this season, as we, as we march towards just celebrating the birth of Christ and all this, I want you to daily have an encounter with God's grace. I want you to wake up and start the day celebrating how God has shown you grace, how He has given you what you have not deserved and have not earned, and then let it affect you. I want you to go on your own to look in Scripture of how God's grace is so evident. Old Testament, New Testament, all of it. God is always the same. He is always full of grace. We're going to look at examples on Sundays of how He's done this, but I want you to go find it. I want you to go look and see how God, one after another, He was slow to anger and abounding in love. He still is today. God's grace. And the more you come face to face with grace, the more you encounter God's grace, the more you will be affected by it. The more he'll change you and do mighty things in you. God's grace should not be without effect in your life and in my life. Let's take a few minutes for the Lord before I pray for you. I'm going to ask you in this moment, just go right now. Would you bow? Would you just close your eyes? Would you just have a moment, you and the Lord? And right now, even as I talk, even the next few months, I want you just in your heart and your mind, talk to God and begin to call out and identify the ways God has been graceful to 
you. How he has forgiven you and provided for you and done so much, even when you have not deserved it, when you have not earned it, just call out the things. The more you look, the easier to be able to see. The forgiveness he's given you, the things you have today, the provisions he's put before you, just call them out. Say, God, this is by your grace. Tell him, I didn't earn this. God, I didn't deserve it. This is your grace. Just start finding those things in your heart right now. Even as I'm talking, even as our praise team getting ready, you just, you and God, start finding the things he has shown you grace in. Acknowledge them before God. Say, this thing, you have shown me grace in this God. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been willing to acknowledge that and say that, but this morning you will. Acknowledge that. And then right now, before I pray for you, I want you to begin to seek, how will this affect you? God, say this to God. Say, God, you have shown me grace in this. Now, how should this affect how I live? Tell him that, right? Ask that question of him right now and see what he says to you. God's grace should not be without effect in your life. We're going to talk about this until it begins to sink in. God's grace. We're going to encounter grace. It's all around us. Let me pray for you, and then we'll have a time to respond. Father, we love you. We thank you. We rejoice in you this morning. Your grace is so awesome, so mighty, so powerful. God, my little definitions cannot do it justice. God, we could talk and keep going. We'd go for hours on end and still not capture the full understanding of what your grace really is. A simple word that is so deep and so powerful. It's kind of like looking up at those stars and saying, God, I don't understand all of it. I just know you're behind it. That's what great your grace is. God, forgive us for the times where we start looking at the things we have in our life like we have earned them somehow. Like the status of my life today is because of what I've done. God, get that lie off our hearts. God, because I couldn't have earned your forgiveness. God, there's no way I could have deserved the things you have put in my life or the plans you have made for me. No way, God. That's not anything of me. That's completely of you, and that is all grace. That is your love in action. Thank you, God, for that. What a powerful reminder and provision grace is. God, I pray for your people here today that as they walk out of here, they start to encounter your grace in every area of their life. God, just as every moment they begin to see and understand that that thing that they've taken for granted is there not from their hand, but by your grace. That those things they have around them, those people they have in their life, the relationships, the children, the, the, the spouse, the parents, the, God, the, the friends, the brothers and sisters in Christ, those things, your grace, your grace, God, you did them. Let us recognize them. Let's acknowledge them, God. Let's think about how they will affect us today. Thank you for these mighty blessings. God, let us not treat coming to you as a chore. 
like the to-do list, like if I just try harder, if I just do more, you'll love me more, you'll give me more. God, let me understand that anything I have has come by your grace, and that just makes me want to do more, not out of routine, not out of obligation, but just out of being awed by your love and grace. Thank you, God. Thank you for your mighty plans for each one of us, for our church, for the things you have ahead, given by grace. Help us encounter you today. And don't let us be the same. I pray over your children today that, God, whatever response you'd have to make, whether it's to come forward and, you know, and to receive prayer or to share a commitment for the church or to pray with another person or just to be broken before you uh, in prayer or to stand and worship you, God, whatever you want your children to do today in response, have them do it. Let this be obedience, God. Let that obedience come from having encountered your grace this morning. What would you have us do? God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. So excited for what you have. Move upon your people by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this by the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.